Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome once again back into the House of Jerks. It's another beautiful day in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am your host of the House of Jerks, Brian Sign. We have a very special guest that is crashing in the guest room today, Mike Maniscolka. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, Brian. Thank you. You know, there are not a whole lot of people that actually get to crash inside the house of jerks. Most of the time, we make people sit on the couch. So realize you are a very, very special guest for us. Oh, thank you. I've, I've made sure not to touch anything that looks like it could give me any kind of uh, tetanus. But it's a very well-kept house, and I appreciate the invite inside of it. So it's it's mostly a frat house, but it is what it is. It's a bunch of guys that sit around and we enjoy it. The House of Jerks uh, presented by Belly Up Media. Mike, you are the voice on air of the Hurricanes. What's that like? Uh, it's an incredibly uh, humbling experience. Uh, it's one of the things when you talk about what you wanted to do for your whole life. I'm literally living the dream for that, Brian. I wanted to be a play-by-play voice for a professional sports entity and uh, to get the opportunity to do it for this organization and uh, for, for this fan base. And the fact that I've, I've lived in Raleigh for 15 years and you go back to doing the post-game shows on the radio side with 99.9 The Fan uh, when we would do uh, afterwards the aftermath and uh, all of the things that came with it. Uh, to get this opportunity, it's it's not the easiest to put into words, but it literally is for me living the dream. Like this is what I wanted to do. This is what I wanted to be my whole life. Now, I mean, cards on the table. I wanted to be the New York Yankees play-by-play voice. You know, as a little kid growing up, uh, that was the. But the now you got something better. Look at. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, I do. So, I mean, I mean, who likes baseball? I mean, especially when you got when you're forced to sit there, you know, the best part about baseball is when you can get up and leave anytime you want to. So, uh, no, I, I, uh, I love I love baseball. Uh, I played it a lot and I played it for a long time. But I uh, know to get this opportunity, uh, it is it's it is a dream come true. And I, I understand the responsibility that comes with it. And uh, I love how passionate the fan base is about this team. And for me to be an extension of, of the organization and be able to now tell the moments uh, and the big moments that this team will have, that this organization has, that the players have. Uh, it's a responsibility that I absolutely love. And it's been a bit of a dream. It really has. You know, there've been a couple of mornings where you wake up and you're like, I hope nobody pinches me because, uh, you know, you're never, never really sure of how things are going to go uh, in the future. But 
uh, for right now, it's, it's couldn't be any better than I, I could have possibly imagined it to be. Well, let's take it a little bit through, you know, this is your life kind of thing. Um, you were the on ice reporter uh, for, for quite a while. Uh, and that's where my first contact with you happened. And you were always engaging with the fans. You were always very open with the fans as well as interviewing. Which do you find more difficult? The on ice reporting where you had to come up with something spiffy to say or the constant, I have to be on top of the game doing the play by play? Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I enjoyed play by play uh, a little bit more than the, the ringside reporting. Although, I mean, I loved, I loved the hosting, the pregame show, Hurricanes Live. Loved hosting that with Shane. Uh, Shane Willis is one of the best uh, that's out there. But as far as doing a play-by-play, like if you told me. Well, now you still get to do the podcast, which we love. Yeah. And I mean, and and I've never, and I've never, I've never lost the ability to continue to basically host a talk show. If you want to look at it that way. Uh, At the same point, uh, when you're doing those intermission interviews, I'm going to peel back the curtain here for the house of jerks. uh, You get 60 seconds pretty much like that's about it like you're never going to get like a five minute sit down the guys need to go in and recover and do what they need to do so the thought process is always did that player do something big in did something happen in the period and then you want to all right let's forecast the rest of the game so it it's not that it is a cookie cutter because every game is different so there's going to be a different interview every time but when you only have 60 seconds to really get to the point and I know that uh, there's the access to it, and that's what you get. Okay, so what happened in the first period? Uh, you scored a goal in this period, walk us through the goal. All right, what do you guys need to do in the second period to improve on? Or you did this really well in the first. How do you keep doing this or something like that? Um, it's what people have to understand is those players just come off the ice and they want to get back in the locker room as soon as possible. Uh, Post game, it's different. Post game, especially after a win. Uh, it was much better to be in the locker room and you can get uh, a little bit more out of the players with it. But uh, in, in the role now as you know, play-by-play and bringing the action to it, uh, I, I just prefer that how it is. And yeah, I, I still get to do interviews, you know, in the, the postseason, in the second round, when uh, the local coverage ends on the regional networks and it all goes national. Uh, I got a chance to do the uh, post, post-game interviews at home, which was, you know, fantastic. As a Seth Jarvis interview, the, the night he takes the stick in the mouth and he comes out, he comes out and talks. And you know, he was very candid about everything. You know, Brendan Smith, who had the big shorthanded goal in, in game number two. That's one of those interviews where, you know, you talk to him about, you know, the moment and everything that comes with it and making those times. I, I loved those moments. Those moments when you're interviewing the players or the coach or somebody around the team, Brian, those are fantastic. Those are, are the great moments. But like I said, those are the ones that were usually after the game. And when there has been a positive result, you know, and for me, the, the one moment I would never trade for a million years is the interview with Peter Morozik when the Hurricanes clinched the playoffs for the first time in, in nine plus seasons and that bench interview. And I, I think I might have, I, I didn't even get a chance to ask him a question other than let me be the first to congratulate you on making the playoffs and PNC arena goes crazy and he does the, we did it. And there's no, there's no question that I'm going to ask. that's better than that emotion that, that comes out. So uh, there were parts of yeah. No, actually, I remember I sitting there and every chanting Peter, Peter, Peter over yeah. and over. I mean, it was it was it was a great moment for the fans as well. Let's like flip that to the other side though. 
when there's a loss, when it's difficult, when there's, and you're, you're the sideline and you still have to interview somebody. Yep. Can you, can you talk about a time that was like difficult, but you know, you have to do your job, but. Sure. Um, and there are plenty of times, you know, in, in the one side of it too, and this doesn't, and it never changed me from asking a question that I wanted to, but I always approached it from, if I played that game, do I want somebody asking me a question after a loss of like, how does it feel? Well, how do you, how do we all think it feels? If you yeah, lose a game, it feels, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I honestly, often, that's one of the worst questions I think that people yeah. ask consistently and you see it on every level. Yep. And yeah. it's, and, and, oh, how do you feel right now? I feel like crap, dude. I just lost yeah. the game. Yeah, I mean, I, there's there's a way to capture the moment, and you want to bring out the emotion of players. Uh, but I'll remember, and this was probably five seasons ago, six seasons ago, uh, but it was when the, you know, the team wasn't making the playoffs, and they had lost a, a game. We call those the dark ages, yes. Yeah, oh, oh. Oh, trust me, I was wandering around with everybody uh, trying to sort out the, the post-game shows. But it was a game at Madison Square Garden, and I just remember they opened up the locker room. We're going in with a camera, and Jordan Stahl is going to have to talk. Um, and this is when they didn't have a you know, full captain yet. You know, They had the, the alternates. And Jordan generally talked more than Yeah, that, that was nonsense years, but anyways. But – uh, Jordan sitting there and you just see the look on his face and you know the Canes kind of had gone down a, a tough road and like this loss to the Rangers kind of really made you know the playoffs a little bit harder to get into you know it, you could sense that things were not going the right way and I just remember he's sitting there and I'm thinking all right how am I going to ask a question this guy who you know gave everything he had on the ice tonight and he knows what's happening and it was one of those moments where I'm like, Hey, I appreciate you doing this. And he just gave a, a real, real answer. So I always went in and it's, it's not empathy. It's more of, I had a dream of being a pro athlete when I was a kid, you know, I, I made my high school teams. That's about the extent of my success. Uh, and, uh, it was never issued a uniform in college. So, uh, but I, I just always, Whenever I would see that, I'm like, well, what do you think these guys feel? You know, what is, do we expect them to say, oh, I feel great. I'd much rather lose the game than win. Uh, so I always went in with the mindset of asking the facts about the game. Like, okay, in, in the second period, this happened. Can you point a finger as to why it happened? Like, that was always my mindset with, with asking questions. Um, there's a way of asking, how do you feel, Brian, about things? Uh, without saying how do you feel just you can do the do you, can you put this moment into words which is how do you feel um but it, it's what people have to understand how hard it is to win a game just a game forget a playoff game forget the cup forget anything to win a regular season game like a game wednesday night in november in winnipeg uh, what has to go into it for both sides um it's tough so i, I always try to be mindful of that and never cross. Uh, there was also a memory. Uh, it's funny when it was after a loss, but it was a good one. Uh, Ron Hainsey, he got called for it. It was a terrible call against Ron Hainsey. And I'm not being a homer here. It was just a bad call. And Hainsey argued his point, swung his stick, oddly enough, at Madison Square Garden. Swings his stick, hits the glass, gets hit with another two for unsportsmanlike conduct. And, you know, 
that's the story. You know, the Rangers are yeah. going to score like, like everything, you know, what happens, you know, the Rangers are going to score a power play goal game slips away. So you go in the room, you got to ask for, for Ron Hainsey and Ron came out and answered every question. Like, I mean, he was, it's like, okay, let's go. I know what we got to do. Let's go. And that was, those are the moments when, uh, and he was you a veteran. the professionalism of their part. Absolutely. Well. And yeah, you appreciate, you appreciate those moments. And um, for me, it's about, and again, I had a different role because I worked for the team, you know, the broadcasters right. are team employees. So they know I'm not going to sit in there and, you know, I, I hate to. You're going to put your a, best a foot forward and make the team yeah. as well as possible because it's your job. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to murder a guy on, uh, you know, what happened out there tonight. You had a terrible turnover right. here in the corner. You're not trying to sell papers. You're trying to sell airtime. You're no, you're, you're trying to get their opinion. As to what went wrong. And, and that's, that's the thing now for independent reporters, newspaper reporters, people who cover websites and all that go right ahead. Like I, I've never church. been. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if the name fits, but in, in that role, uh, you always appreciated it. And what I tried to do is, you know, establish the professionalism. And it's kind of funny because I don't, I don't think about how old I am until I walk in the locker room now, because there was a time when I'd walk in and I was the youngest guy, Brian, and I'm old enough to be the dad to half the team. So, you know, honestly, it, it, it hit me. And this is a complete side note, getting off topic for a second, but it hit me when I met Seth Jarvis, and I'm like, you, you're younger than my daughter is, and you're playing professional hockey. Yeah, yep. And it, it was like one of those moments like, wow, okay, I, I guess I feel yep. old. Well, if, if I could tie that back to what we were talking about too, because we're talking about sometimes post-game interviews are 19, 20, 21-year-old young men like I think back to answers I'd give somebody when I yeah. was 19 years old. I'd love to tell you they'd be, you know, the most professional in the world, but you, you also have to yeah, understand that. And then you're, you're also dealing with players from other countries now. And, you know, that's, um, I've got some great stories. Well, that was about actually that. one of the questions I did want to ask you is yeah. as, as you're talking with people from other countries, like um, Pewter that came over for a couple of yeah. games, had to use a, a translator as, as you're talking to them how are you able to make sure that you're getting the best quality of answers and he understands you as well? We only had, yeah, we only had the, the one interaction with uh, Pyotr Kochekov this year and it was, it was up in uh, Boston and he had Andre Spechnikov as his translator, but that was a, a gathered media thing. Like I never had an opportunity to one-on-one -on -one talk with, with Pyotr and, and find out that way, but I can tell you, uh, when Andrei Svechnikov was drafted and he came up. Now, he had spent a few years in North America, you know, playing minor hockey, junior hockey. Uh, and so he knew a little bit of English. But my thing... There's a difference, though, between knowing the language and knowing the... When, when you're asking a question, knowing the... Correct. It's not just the verb, it's just the way you're talking and, and, and different idiosyncrasies. Correct. So uh, with Andre, you know, I, I would ask him, you know, is, is there anything you want to know? And early on, Andre would be like, well, what are you going to ask me? And if we were, we had time, I'd be like, I'll ask you this, I'll ask, and this is how I would ask it. And he would be like, well, what does that mean? And if the word was, because remember, you know, they're, they're trying to translate. Of course. I, I can't imagine how fast it sounds coming out of our mouth to them to translate it. But 
another good example was Sebastian Ajo when he came came across and we knew he was going to be here after you know he was drafted he goes back to Finland then he comes back when they think okay he's making the team this year and you could tell because they watch and they watch your mannerisms when you're asking a question like if you're smiling they kind of know it's a depending on your face and I asked Tavo Teravine I knew he'd been here in in the states long enough and dealt with Chicago I go is there anything I can do to help Sebastian understand my questions or help him along with the, the language and Tavo goes now nah, he'll figure it out <laughs> and I'm like, oh, like all right that's the best brotherly help. love exactly but what you learn is especially with with players where English is not their first language shorter questions direct words that you feel that they know that they've heard before so and you try to make it easier on them and then you know now I can have a complete conversation with Sebastian and you know he gets all the nuance and everything that comes along with it so uh but yeah early on it's you try to find what is the most direct way I can ask a question and you can't you can't ask long questions to because they're trying to process every word you say so when you get somebody who's asking like a minute long question of you know on the ice tonight there was the humidity and they're sitting here trying to figure out okay how does this when all you're trying to ask them is how did you play tonight or was the was the ice good tonight you, you find out the direct route is the best way to go so yeah that was the and i was you know a talk show host forever and you always want to reinvent the wheel brian and think that you ask the best questions and what i learned is the most direct questions always get the best answers so that was one let's, of the, the things I took there. Let, let's go back to a very, very little Mike growing up in Buffalo. What made you want to become a sportscaster growing up in Buffalo? Uh, and of course, well, you know, the follow-up question I'm going to ask in a little bit. Well, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, grow up with two great play-by-play voices. On the TV side, there was Ted Darling. Radio was Rick Janaret. Uh, RJ then moved uh, to the, the simulcast side a few years later on, actually did TV after he moved from the radio and Pete Weber, who I worked with at WGR. But when it was clear that my athletic uh, career was never going to materialize, Brian, I, I kept thinking what could get me in the game? What could keep me around the game? And, and I honestly wanted to be a writer first. I, I was going to be a columnist. Like that was the path. You know, Belly Up on. does have some offerings if you're interested in running a, a couple episodes. I'm just just putting that out there if you're interested. Well, there, there's a reason why I go I with spoken. A there's a reason why I go with spoken word now as opposed to the written word, Brian. So, although some people would tell me I handle them both with the the exact same uh, aplomb, which is none. Well, it, it's kind of like I'm always told you have a face for radio. Yeah, That's and there the was a time I when I was instead of being on air. There was a time when I was small too, so I do appreciate you pointing that out. So, thank you very much. <laughs> So you, you grew up and you, you enjoyed listening to sports mm-hmm. cast and you wanted to be near sports. Yep. Um, football was your first love and then baseball and then hockey, yep. right? Yep. You could, you could argue that baseball was my first love, but I, I, it was, I became a better football player as the years moved on uh, and then through high school. But, um, you know, baseball was the, the sport that I played first. Uh, hockey, I was put on skates at a very early age. I've been told that skating is a very important part of playing ice hockey, uh, that you have to have that. And I got put on I believe skates. your co-host told me that one time, yeah. Yeah, I got put on skates about, because my dad my dad wasn't a hockey fan. He didn't grow up. He didn't play it. He didn't didn't really watch it. Um, but Are they originally I was from getting, New York as well? Or? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, my dad's from Buffalo. Both my parents are from Buffalo. Um, but my dad put me on skates. He had a friend who was a good hockey coach. And they put me on like late in life, I think like eight, nine years old, something like that. And uh, isn't I don't, that I don't think... just, just to, to take what you just said right there. Isn't that amazing that considering getting on skates at eight is considered late in life? Oh, yeah. Like if somebody wants to play football, putting on cleats the first time at eight is not considered old. But no. putting on skates, yeah, it's got to be three or four. It's one of the things that I talk about with people all the time. If your your child is interested in hockey, get them on skates as young as possible. Yeah, yep. So that as this, this the legend goes, and I remember this going out and like just seeing what happens, and I fell about a, a million times. Uh, the legend goes, the guy's old. My dad, your son looks like he's going to be about six three, six four. And basketball is a great wintertime sport. So there was that. But then he, he just explained. He goes, look, he's going to be behind his age group in skating. That's the one thing that everybody looks at first. So he's going to have to do this. He's going to have to do that. And you know, we're, I think we're around the same age, Brian, give or take. And we were right at that, that cusp where hockey and equipment started to get real expensive. And, you know, my dad was a factory worker and my mom was a secretary for the school system. So they didn't really have the extra income to, you know, have me try to play catch up for two, three years and then decide I don't like hockey anymore. So I never got the chance. I never really got the chance to play ice hockey, street hockey, deck hockey, play it all day long, goalie center, whatever you need. Uh, all of those things, but the skating part just never really took flight for me. I tried to get back into it in college. I can go forward really well, and as long as there's a wall or a figure skater that can stop me, then I'm fine, because there is a story of, of me in college. We had open skate at the college that I was at. If you were a, you know, if you were a student, you could go and skate and use the ice rink for free, and there was a figure skater. My buddies were trying to teach me you know, all right, hey, we just need you to do this. We need a defenseman and this and that. I'm like, all right, fine, we'll get into it. You know, keep me active after everything else was over and it was just for giggles. And uh, unfortunately, there was a girl doing her. And I don't think either of us went on to Olympic glory on ice skates. So I apologize to her wherever she is. True story. As, as you were finding your way and finding what, what interested you? Um, you made it down from Buffalo to to the South, yep. um, and you you wound up with the Hurricanes, sideline reporter. Things were going great, and then obviously John Forslund left. And I was always told you don't want to be the man to replace the man. You want to be the man that replaces the man to replace the man. You've done a great job. How difficult is it going into those shoes of Forslund where he came down with, with you know, with, with the city from Hartford? I mean, he mm -hmm. was he was the man. And then you've slid into those shoes. How difficult is that? You know, everybody forgets Chuck Caton. Uh, and I, I want to know why. Well, like, that's Chuck on the radio side. But, I mean, Chuck was, Chuck was the voice of this team, too. And, and that's just one of those things where – um, when you simulcast now, and that's, that's both of them, right? And Well, and that was, uh, was going to be another question I have is the difference between let, – let, let's go ahead and talk about Forzen, but then I do want to ask you about the difference between when you're calling a game on the radio as opposed to when you're calling the game on TV and then during the playoffs where you're doing just the radio because the ESPN announcers are doing the, the game on TV, 
you have to paint a different picture and it's a different job for you. Yeah. Comic cast makes it more difficult in my opinion. Uh, yes. Yes. And no. Um, because for simulcast, I can use less words because you're, you're going to go with the majority of the audiences on television. Uh, so I don't have to say where the puck is all the time. Uh, it is difficult for the people who are listening on radio. And I try to do my best to uh, give clues and give directional hockey, you know, inside the blue line, kept into the blue line to the right of, you know, face off. If you're watching it on TV and I say the face off is to the right of Auntie Ronta, well, you can see that. But, you know, saying to the right of Auntie Ronta is something that a, a TV viewer is not going to sit there and go, oh, I know it's to the right. You just kind of slip it in factually. Right. And I know that there is the the radio audience to it. As far as radio goes, when it's just radio only, you just become a little bit more descriptive, you know, up the left wing, you know, around the boards from near to far side, however you want to say it, or right side to left side. So just a couple of extra words. Um, sometimes, honestly, radio can be easier because you don't have to fill with all of the things that come with TV. Like uh, we have to go to this stat, we need to work in this graphic or, you know, something along those lines. So it, it depends, but you know, can you expand TV, on that for a second? Cause I, I think sure. that that's one of the things that people listening don't realize just how much you have producers and you're talking about other things. Oh yeah. There it's, I mean, it's not like we just roll into the, the game at seven o'clock and we're like, all right, well, we're just going to talk about what happens here. There is, if there's a, a storyline for a player, somebody who's coming home, like, you know, when Seth Jarvis goes to Winnipeg, that's a homecoming for him. There's stories that you're going to work in on commercial breaks. You've got to get sponsors. Uh, you've got to find out who are the injuries and scratches. You work that in off of a face-off. But um, it, it's funny. We've got, in my in my mind, now, mind you, I've only worked with uh, Jim Malia as uh, the TV producer for my whole stint with the Canes Prime, both as the sideline reporter and, and now in the role of play-by-play. But Jim, is, he's the best in the business. And Jimmy is a hockey guy. He was a hockey coach. He was a hockey player. So we don't try to force things in that don't seem to fit in the flow of the game. So he makes life easy for me that way. Um, but there's so many things that you have to hit in. So many things uh, that you've got to get going to break, uh, coming out of a break, making sure that you hit those commercial reads. Like, you know, coming up, you, we've got a, a Bally show that we need to promo. So I've got in my ear, hey, on the next whistle, if it's an icing, we're going to do this promo. If it's just an offside, we're going to break. So you get those cues. But I mean, you know the time on the clock, you know when you're going to go to break and things like that. Or Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, Abby's got something in the corner. Or you, All right, let's go to Abby. Bar. What do you have for us, Abby? And then, you know, working with Trip and Shane, you got to make sure that they get theirs, their highlights in and then that's really you know for me whistle to whistle is all i need to talk and then everybody else can take care of the rest so well uh, and then you know talking about that though when you're when they were in the bubble and stuff and you're mm -hmm. watching it on tv <laughs> you're almost delayed a little bit so you're basically looking at the same thing people are looking at at home but you're still having to announce it and trying to describe what's going on yeah so and, how much uh, more difficult was that uh 
It's great. That's a really great question. Uh, I, I try to put it this way, Brian. It's there are people who will tell you in, in what I do that it was the hardest thing ever. And it's not, it was it's not surgery. Uh, we're just calling the game. But <clears throat> for me, you, you, when you're there, there are little things that you can notice quickly on the ice. Cause you're seeing it in real time uh, that guys are righty shot versus a lefty shot quickly because things are in 3d when it's flat, you're trying to pick things up as quick as you can. You know, when things go to the far boards, and I want to thank the jersey manufacturer now for making the numbers as extremely impossible to read. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, but it, it's a, a situation. Honestly, even, even sitting there in the stands, it's becoming more difficult to figure out who's got the puck. So I can only imagine. <laughs> well, um, you know, you, you, you figure it out. You, you, there's certain tips and clues and tricks that you can use to help you identify the the players quickly although when i i can use an example this year uh, we didn't go up to canada when uh, toronto and ottawa games were played during the we were supposed to have the olympic break but they resumed right. hockey so the makeup days um, yeah on the tv side we didn't go up to canada because there was you know so a lot of problems going on if you tested positive for covid you would be stuck in canada for about two weeks so everybody just decided it'd be easier to keep the broadcast hey we did it on tv last year so we can do it again this year you're really at the mercy of the director in the home team's director it's it's called a world feed but they're going to cut the game for you know leaf fans or for senators fans and it, it can make life tough because i'm trying to follow the puck and if they cut to the Ottawa bench and then they come back, well, now I'm behind. Like I have, I've, I've got to find one player that I can identify quickly. Hopefully when they went to the Ottawa bench, the Canes don't make a change and have new players out there. So you can work in, in generalities. You work a little generic when things like that happen, you know, say has the puck, you know, or, you know, in the corner and you wait till you can identify a player or two, but it's like anything, Brian, the more you do it, um, you, you can find things that are easier for you to, identify make the job a little bit easier for you it becomes a little bit more natural uh, again the speed of the game is tremendous it's what makes hockey phenomenal it's why it's the best game to watch in person because of the speed and the physical nature of it um, when you're you're calling it and you're watching it on a monitor uh, I will say this in, in all uh, uh, all jest but John Hines uh, in the playoffs last year didn't do me a solid uh, because uh, he had had uh, Roman Yossi. And now this was not the season just happened the playoff year against Nashville in the central division. Uh, and he had, uh, I believe it was Matias Ekholm and Roman Yossi were the, the deep pair, like the whole game. And, you know, Nashville was pressing and he changes the deep pair on me. So Ekholm has the puck and I assume it's going across the ice and don't ever assume kids. That's your lesson for today uh, on broadcasts. Well, it's going to be going across to Yossi, right? That's been the D partner. Well, the shot goes through from the point. I don't see who it is because of the way that the monitor is. And seeing you and I are doing this on Zoom, I can show you like the monitor is cut off here and the player just steps in across the blue line and it score, right? And it's not, it's not Roman Yossi. <laughs> so I learned just be generic uh, on, on monitor games until you're 100% sure of, of who has the puck. Well, even outside of monitor games, knowing who's coming in has to help you even at the game because you know the, the pairings and stuff. Sure. When you're dealing with newer players, newer teams, teams that you don't see all the time, do they give you a cheat sheet on how to pronounce names? 
yeah, you have it. It's funny because I can't tell you how many times I've gone with the NHL pronunciation guide and people tell me it's wrong. Um, so that's fine. Uh, I listen to what I try to do is I try to stay two to three opponents ahead. Uh, so I DVR, I, I basically, I do more homework now than I ever did as a student. Uh, so it explains uh, for some. So I want to thank all of my teachers out there who gave me good study habits. But I, I'm pretty much watching two hockey games a day. And, you know, I'm always going back and watching the game that we just did on Valley, especially for a home game. When the game's over, I'll come home and I'll watch it. And then I'll watch it again the next morning when I wake up uh, just to try to take notes and try to improve and try to get a little bit better. But as far as the names go, yeah, I mean, there, there's pronunciations that are out there, but uh, then you, we've found this you out. You're correct or not. Well, that's, that's the other part of it. We've found this out, you know, some players will go with a name forever and then you find out they want it to be called differently. Like the great Jesperi Kotkaniemi, where everybody in Canada says Kotkaniemi because that's what they called him in Montreal. But he told us he wants it to be Kotkaniemi. So we say Kotkaniemi. And then every building I go into, they're like, why do you say Kotkaniemi? Because like, that's what he told us that he wanted it to be. Um, but that's so, a player that you, you're talking to as opposed mm -hmm. to a player from the opposition where but it goes, it goes, you might yeah. never meet him. Oh, but, you know, you talk to you talk to the other announcers, you know, you, you find out, hey, how are you saying this name? What's the, the name on this one? So and that's I mean, we we talk to each other. It's not like. Well, uh, and that actually leads me into my next question. Who's an announcer from another team that you you really respect, you really love? Oh, boy. I know that you've uh, said like several people in the past that, hey, I met with. No, Kenny, 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 Kenny Albert uh, is one of the. Uh, actually, both guys with the Rangers, Kenny Albert and Sam Rosen, um, super generous with their time uh, when it comes to play by play. I uh, absolutely think that Mark Moser is one of the best that's out there. The Colorado Avalanche play by play guy on television for altitude uh, uh, from his days of doing radio for Colorado. Then, you know, in a similar situation, he moved over to the TV side. He is uh, outstanding, a really good guy. Um, Josh Bogorad in Dallas is good. Um, and I can go on and on. Dave Randorf. Of course, yeah. In, no, I, was, I mean, in, in you're, you're not going to say anybody's no, not good, but it's just yeah. knowing you the way it? that I do as far as that you you respect your craft, knowing people that you respect also when, as fans, we're listening to other teams, yep. who are some people we should listen to? So Yeah. Oh, Randorf in Tampa, uh, Moser in Colorado. Uh, Absolutely. Bogorad in, in Dallas, Josh does a phenomenal job, but it's, you know, it's, it's funny when you say that because everybody who does this job, um, there's nobody, especially on the NHL side of things, Brian, who is half-hearted about this. They put, they put everything into it because you have to, you, you can't fake it. Um, there, there's some who can, there's some, there's some people who in front of the camera and then behind the camera. Um, I haven't run into that too much in, in the hockey world. And this was really the first year where I traveled uh, for a, a regular season because uh, it was 56 games last year in the bubble. This was the first year where there was travel to it. So you get to meet these guys in person. You still travel when you were uh, just the, the, the sideline ice, right? Yeah, but when you're, when you're the sideline Because, I mean, there was like a certain of... instance you had in Arizona. Uh, that was San Jose, yeah. San Jose, um, yeah. But it's one of those things where when you're sidelined, you're never up in the press box. Like you're never. But you're, you're still traveling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you don't. It's like you don't run into 
the broadcast team for the gotcha okay for you know i'm not running into i wasn't running into tyson nash uh for the coyotes broadcast you know i was i was running into their sideline reporter and that's who you talk to and he swap notes with it's it's very weird how uh you know those those two companies rarely mix uh but yeah when you're, well, you're the press discuss box, that a little bit because honestly that's not something that i think most fans realize well you know play by play and and the analysts are up in the press box and that's where you know that's where you're headquartered for the game so you get up there early you know i'm not sitting in the locker room i'm not down in the uh innards of the arena anymore like you would be when you're the reporter and you're by the team and you're trying to go over your stories and try to make everything ready because when you're the reporter especially the way that we travel you've got to get to your position you've got to rehearse you've got to make sure that you have enough room where you're going to be you're not going up and down uh the elevator getting into different spots in the arena and, and meeting as many people as you normally would you generally run into the people who do your job when you're in tv now every now and again there's the opportunity where you would go up in in the press box and meet some of these folks or you meet them at the morning skate you meet them and talk to them but when you're at the rink when it's game time you're generally just hanging out with your crew and and that's where it is I appreciate all your time, Mike. I, I promise I will not take up your entire day, but do you want to talk about what did happen in San Jose and the, the outpouring? Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, um, the first time that I ever met you, um, you were still doing on the ice stuff and mm -hmm. you were very, very gracious with your time. And it wasn't long after that, that you had an incident where you were traveling. Yeah. Right before, uh, right before Halloween of 2019. Um, basically for those who don't know the story uh, if you don't feel good go to a doctor <laughs> right away uh, that's what I've learned um, but in this situation uh, I had what felt like the stomach flu and it turned out to be much worse than that uh, and we flew from Carolina and was going out for the west coast trip so we get to LA first and I didn't feel good but I didn't feel terrible Brian you know it's I'm like oh you know did I get the stomach flu because I got in a flu shot you felt like an old guy yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's a good way to explain it. Then we're getting we're getting closer to uh, to the game because at the, the morning skate, I didn't feel I felt off, but I didn't have a fever, right? I didn't have any. I just had you know some stomach pains. Felt off. Off is the best way I can describe it. Um, get to the game feels like I'm getting absolutely. I'm getting speared. That's the best way to explain it. Uh, right in the right in the abdomen about every 10, 15 minutes. So I go to. Uh, the producers and all that, they're like, hey, you don't look good. My wife was watching the game on TV and she goes, is it warm in Staples Center? And I go, no, it's freezing. She goes, you're sweating and I can see it on TV. <laughs> and I told her that I didn't feel right. Uh, so she was watching for that, for the game. So I went to an EMT uh, and like the genius I am, he told me go to the emergency room. And I said, no, we're playing San Jose tomorrow. So I've got to get on the plane and go with the team, uh, fly up to San Jose, get to the hotel about 1 32 in the morning and just the pain just keeps getting worse so i ubered myself to an emergency room and they made the discovery that i had a, a tumor the size of a volleyball that was living inside of me and attached to my favorite small intestine uh my then, favorite <laughs> yeah well, you know i and i'm uh so i'm stuck in san jose and you know you're thinking all of the worst and uh, luckily I use all of my good luck on my bad luck. So everything that I needed to go right, <clears throat> where I didn't have to stay in San Jose uh, and, and 
you know, or stay in California and nothing against the lovely medical system in California. Uh, but uh, there's so many. It's not home. You don't have family rights. You don't have. Uh, ex- yeah. And, you know, you just want to be home. Like that's yeah. the, the thing. So uh, basically uh, what had happened was the tumor grew to such a size, like I told you, the size of a volleyball. And I'm not joking when I say that. Uh, and it attached to my intestine. So it kind of ripped my intestine. That's the most delicate way to put it. Um, so that's where all the pain was coming from. And the tumor got so large it actually covered up the hole it created so i could fly back to north carolina and then uh, get everything taken care of here so i was out about three weeks ish um it felt like about three years i was out uh everything yeah, I was gonna say, i'd mind. still be in bed from it personally but you're uh, a better man than me <laughs> everything that everything goes through your mind uh, when they when a doctor comes and goes we found a mass in your abdomen it's quite sizable I know you've got to make some phone calls and get some things in order. And when a doctor tells you, you've got to get some things in order, I'm like, well, I'm on the clock and not the way that the New York Jets generally pick. Uh, So I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, well, we'll just go from here. And uh, that's luckily, like I said, every, every break I needed to catch, I caught somebody upstairs likes me. Thankfully, knock on wood. uh, That's it. Um, it was a non-cancerous tumor that I had, but it's the danger is it attaches to things and it does have a high recurrence rate. So I have to stay on top of my health and make sure that things are fine. But here I am. And, uh, the, the hockey community is the best because I think you're going to get to that. And I'll just, I'll, I'll jump in front of the question, uh, the outpouring of support from the fans, from the organization, from people in the hockey world, when they found this out. Uh, I can run down so many lists, but like just the entire team texted me when I was in the hospital and they're like, Hey man, get back. You know, it's like, just get healthy, get back. You know, we're here. We're here for you. If you need anything, uh, Jordan Martinuk was injured at the time. You know, I didn't want it. I didn't want any visitors. You know, I just wanted to get through what I had to get through Jordan Martinuk. I, this is why there are certain players that you can't put, you know, well, their value, what do they do? He was, he had had a surgery. So he had was in Raleigh and he comes up to my hospital room and he goes, I know you don't want visitors, but you're getting me. And you know, it's, it's, I needed, I needed, I needed that. Um, and, uh, it was funny. He goes, when I compare scars and I, he showed and I showed, he goes, you win. I went, oh, this is not a competition. I want to win. Um, but you know, people from around the league, um, Eddie Olchek calls me. Uh, and, and leaves a message and I see a Chicago number and I'm like, well, I don't need spam calling me right now right. while I'm in San Jose. And then I find out it's Eddie Olchek's number. And so Eddie calls and then everything that's going on with this. So, um, you know, just you, you get overwhelmed in the best possible way of, of the word overwhelmed. You know, you people generally hear that and you think, oh, this, you can't go on this, this support. And it's truly important to have really kept me positive with what I had going on so uh I look back on it it feels like a lifetime ago because uh, I also think the last two years have been a decade for everybody else uh, with what's going on um but you know hopefully it, it doesn't happen again but uh, it, it gave me a very valuable lesson not to take any moment for granted uh and, and any opportunity so here I am so moving forward next year looks like it's going to be a normal year for a change this will yep. be your first "quote unquote" normal year as a play-by-play guy. Does it still feel new to you because it's going to be a normal year, 
So people that have done it for a long time, they're like, okay, we're getting back to normal. For you, it's, well, I guess I'm getting up to normal. Yeah, you know, go back to the the question about doing games off of a monitor. Uh, You know, that that wasn't, I'd never done a full season where I'd never done a game off of a monitor. So that was, you know, that was my normal that year. And in fact, you know, you go back to, it was the playoff bubble before, like that's when it started. Uh, So I, now that I've had the, the tour and I have been in, in every arena uh, to, to do a game, at least play by play, I think, I don't think I was in Ottawa to do a, to do a game, but I've been. There's, there's nothing in Ottawa to see. It's fine. I, I, it's, again, lovely city, capital of Canada, but um, <laughs> the, by the way, for people who are going to Ottawa, the rink is not in Ottawa, just so you all know, it's about 35 minutes outside of Ottawa. Uh, but, you know, now that I've been there, but yeah, it'll, this will feel, everything still feels new because like you're still going through all of this uh, again, not for the first time. There'll be some familiarity, uh, met some great people on the road, like the, the people behind us, there's a stage crew in every city that helps us do our job. Um, you'd be amazed at the amount of people who have to help put these broadcasts on. There are a lot of experts, Brian, who try to you know, this should happen and that should happen. We want those things to happen, but you have to understand you need people there to do them or you need the technology to be able to do that. Sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Um, but there are so many people behind the scenes who help us do our job. And uh, it's it's an absolute, for me, again, not taking anything for granted, I don't understand how anybody can complain about this job. It's the best job in the world. I get to go around city to city and I call hockey games. You know, that's it. I, I, there's no way. But it's got to. It's got to be helpful. Also, calling for a team that's winning. Yo, yeah, yeah. I, I joke that uh, if it's uh, a whole lot of record... I mean, you you could be calling for like Winnipeg or something. Or I mean, no, I, no. Like I like I joke. You know, if if we have Arizona or Montreal's record, I'm thought of even less than I am now. And <laughs> you know that part's not set that high to begin with. So it, it really just comes into play that, yeah, the, the team being good helps. And the team being coached by Rod Brindamore helps. Like, he is the difference. Uh, when people ask me, you know, what has been the biggest turnaround for the Hurricanes? Starts and ends with Rod and the culture and what he has set for this team and what they have as their standard is everybody is bought into it. And it's easy to buy into it when Rod Brindamore is telling you to do it. So – Last question for you, and I, I definitely appreciate all the time you give me today. Love having you on. You're welcome to crash the house of jerks anytime. We'll always have a guest room open for you. Um, in fact, if I have to like stick somebody else on the couch so you get a guest room, you're always welcome. <laughs> Good to know. Coming I have no problem from, sleeping on a couch. <laughs> coming down from Buffalo, what is something that you appreciate about living in Raleigh as opposed to Buffalo? Oh man, uh, I don't have. Because obviously, Buffalo snow. has like a lot of great things as well. Uh, but the, what uh, is something that you appreciate a little bit more about Raleigh? Uh, the not having to shovel snow, and it's not a joke. Um, it, it's made a joke. However, uh, driving in bad weather here is more of a chore than I remember it being back in Buffalo. Like you know, because it's like anything. You do it enough, you you learn how to to drive in in snow or Ice, nobody knows how to drive on ice. So never let anybody from up north try to say, ah, I know that nobody knows how to drive on ice. No, actually, I remember like the uh, the Rangers game uh, 
earlier this season where fans from the Hurricanes were giving away tickets because they didn't want to go out in the ice. And then a bunch of Rangers fans took over the stadium. And then on the way out, there were all the Rangers fans that were having accidents because nobody can drive in ice. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, point, we have just solved that here on House of Jerks, everybody. Snow is one thing, rain is another. Ice, nobody can drive on it, period. Unless you put chains on your tires and nobody's doing that. Which is Don't against the do. law in Raleigh. You, you're not it's allowed bad. to put chains on your tires in Raleigh. Thank you. There's so, there you go. Now, I mean, we're just solving all of the problems here, Brian. And we're, I think we're bringing everyone together as a people. Uh, the other thing I love, I, I love, what I love about Raleigh in, in this, for me, is being able to get wherever I want to go within 15 or 20 minutes. And that's not a, oh, well, there's nobody. It's the way that it's set up, the way that Raleigh is mapped out. The food is great. It's undercover sneaky. When people ask me about, you know, great places to go eat on the road, I'm like, you know, Raleigh's pretty damn good when it comes to a, a city to be a part of. And then the other thing now, we're coming up on the 25th anniversary of the Hurricanes moving from Connecticut down here. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, I, I was going to ask you off the air, but I mean, there's going to be a ton of no. things done this year for the 25th anniversary. And it has they don't tell me, they don't tell that. me these, they don't, yeah, they don't tell me these things because they're afraid I'm going to tell everybody what they are before they do them. I don't know why, but I mean, nobody would ask me what's going to happen on this, but to a long story short, uh, the, the fan base here knows way more than what they're giving credit for and nothing bothers me more in the sports world than when groups look down on other groups. It just drives me insane. It just truly does. And I have to explain to people, I'm like, there's, it might not be, you know, the 150,000 wait list in Toronto to get tickets, which they're corporate anyway, but that's, I mean, it's fine. But the fan base here loves the team. And it's, when you talk about what do I appreciate, appreciate about it, it's kind of the Lots of terms can be used in a negative connotation, like, oh, it's college mentality. Well, you know, the one thing about college mentality, you love your team no matter what. And there's a, there's a group here that loves this Hurricanes team no matter what. And they are as stout of a fan base as any you would find. Because I can take you back to the years before the Blackhawks were winning the Stanley Cup, and they were having six, 7,000 people in the stands. It's just how it, it goes when they weren't winning. You can point that out in several places. This fan base is as good of a hockey fan base as you're going to find. And, and I think part of it is that college mentality, that they love their team and they want their team to win. Uh, and sometimes they understand they can't, but they're going to back them no matter what. But there's so many – I can be part of the Board of Tourism for Raleigh, North Carolina, if they want me to do something. Well, and obviously everybody should move to Raleigh, North Carolina. We don't want everybody moving here, but everybody should. <laughs> And if you're going to move to Raleigh, North Carolina, you got to call Warren Sumner. Warren Sumner is the best realtor in the area, especially for those people that are moving from outside the area. It's difficult right now to find a house, but Warren can help you out. His number is 919-649-1294. Give Warren a call if you want to move to the greatest place on the planet. It's, it's a great place. And honestly, I think one of the reasons why you, you mentioned the college mentality, and I think part of the reason why is tailgating. There's very few other stadiums. We've we've toured stadiums, and one of the missions of the House of Jerks is to do every stadium yep. over the next three years. 
I've yet to be of any place else that tailgates the way we do here. No, there isn't one. And I can tell you for my job, it's very difficult to drive past it and not stop and want to help participate in said tailgate. But anytime you, you know. want a sandwich, man, we're always located next to Backyard Bistro. Stop in. We'll give you a sandwich, possibly a drink, whatever you're <laughs> no, interested thank in. Thank you. After, after the game. Well, a lemonade. I mean, it doesn't oh, have absolutely. to be a hard drink. A water. A water. A yeah. water. Definitely. Well, water is yeah. free. I mean, you can get that anywhere. Lemonade <laughs> adds a little flavor. You know what I mean? There, there are some buildings in the league where you'd be surprised. Yeah. No, it still amazes me the number of places that don't allow, like, water fountains still. I mean, it's... I know. Unless you're sticking your mouth on it, it's not going to give you any disease. So just <laughs> respect the water fountain. Use it as a fountain. I know to end this one on Brian. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate your time so much, Mike. Really, really love having you on. Um, you're welcome back anytime. And we're looking forward to next season. And until then, jerks out. <laughs>